Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. That's probably one of the most fun things for me when I go to Africa. I love the teaching and I love all that that goes on, but I, I really do enjoy uh, caring for those moms with babies. I get to tell them when I, when I uh, go into the hospital, I get to tell them that my wife and I love babies. We have 12. <laughs> and they all go. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, today, I'm not going to teach as much as I'm, this is going to be more, I think I'll classify this as more of one long prophetic word. Hopefully, it's not too long that you don't stop listening before I'm done talking. So, <clears throat> so I believe I believe the Lord. I know the Lord has has spoken to me something that is for now. It's for right now where we are. What's going on? Uh, some years ago, if you've been around, you know that I started talking about us pursuing the presence of God. He said, that's what we're going to do. We're going to pursue the presence of God. Now, uh, I haven't had any experience in pursuing the presence of God in this way that we have been doing. Uh, And I'll just be honest with you. This is a transparent moment here. I didn't know what goes with pursuing the presence of God. I thought that meant that the manifest glory of God would come down and we would have signs and wonders and, and healing and deliverances. And that would be all there is. And, and I know we are going to see more than what we've seen. I know that's part of it. But what I didn't know is that there would be opposition to that. It's a good thing I didn't. Uh, you know, and... Because the, the, the truth is, wherever Jesus showed up, there was confrontation in the spirit. Think about it. Demons manifest. There was, uh, the, the Pharisees spoke against him and tried to kill him the whole time. And they did. And then he rose from the grave. <laughs> he overcame. So there, when you seek the presence of God... There, and you, you're after God. And you're in this room because you're after God. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. You'd be getting your wings ready for the ball game this afternoon instead of here. So, so there is opposition. And this opposition uh, will come as criticism. And... Sometimes we wrestle because we say, well, some of that's deserved. Uh, The criticism, some of it's deserved, uh, but much of it's not. I've been in ministry now many years, and I'll just tell you that it's, it's always a mixture, and the enemy would like to take whatever he can take. Uh, and, and inflate it and, and make it more than what it really is. Uh, and, have enough to it 
that you buy into the fact that it's about your righteousness as opposed to the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Some of you didn't get that. Righteousness is not something that comes from us. It is in us, in Christ Jesus. I'm accepted, we're accepted, you and I are accepted, not based upon our performance. We're accepted, forgiven and accepted based upon what Jesus did for us. I don't, I don't think you're convinced. I'm going to go to a scripture. I don't have it written uh, out there for you to see, but I'm just going to read it. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace, those who receive the abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Righteousness is a gift that Jesus bestows upon us. Okay, so I've titled this message, Oaks of Righteousness. Subtitled, You Ain't Nothing. <laughs> and let me explain that, why I subtitled it that way. People will say things to us that would indicate that we're not, we don't measure up, we're not good enough, we just don't have what it takes, we can't cut it. We grow up, I mean, I heard messages like that through school. Through growing up through school, through college, you know, you've all heard those things, right? People say things and criticize you in ways to say that you really, you really don't measure up. You're, you fall short. Am I the only one here? So here's a few examples from life and from scripture. He'll never be any good. Baltimore Colts owner Robert Irsay, 1983, evaluating future Pro Bowl and Super Bowl champion quarterback John Elway. Here's another one. You will never amount to very much. A Munich teacher to 10-year-old Albert Einstein. You ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to go back to driving a truck. Grand Ole Opry manager Jim Denny, 1954, firing Elvis Presley after one performance. <laughs> it's like that in life, and it's like that. I just want to track a few people through Scripture, just, just to give us framework for this whole idea of what people say about us, and sometimes what we say in agreement, even in agreement with the enemy about us, as opposed to what God says about us. And that's what, that's the word this morning, that learning to discern the difference between what people would say about us and what God says about us. Moses, in Exodus 4.10, Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in past time. Or time past. Nor since thou hast spoken to thy servant, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. This is his argument about he's not 
capable of leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and to deliver him. This is his assessment of himself before he would deliver Israel from captivity. I ain't nothing. Gideon, Judges 6.15, and he said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. I'm not able to do this. This is Gideon's assessment made of himself before he would deliver Israel from her enemies. Well, how about David? 1 Samuel 17, 28. Then Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep? He just threw that in. You know, like you're only caring for a few sheep. You're not really doing anything important. Those few sheep in the wilderness. I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart. <laughs> this, is, this is David's older brother. For you have come down in order to see the battle. He's saying you just showed up to see the fight. You know the truth why he was there. Why was he there? His father asked him to take some bread and cheese to his brothers and inquire about the welfare of his brothers. That's why David was there. So that, that's the purpose David was there. But his brother accused him of something else. He said David had a wicked heart. And God said, that's a man after my heart. Let's look at uh, the comment. Uh, by the way, this was the comment about David just before he slew Goliath, who had Israel locked up for 40 days. And they were afraid to take on Goliath. And, and so this is what was said of David before he uh, accomplished this great victory for Israel. Huh. I wonder if the enemy would have something negative to say to us before there's a great victory on our way. Just a thought. Let's look at Nehemiah 2.7. Then I said to them, you see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. They started out. But when Sinbalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard it, they what? Mocked us and despised us and said, what is this thing you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? So they accused them of rebellion. But you know the rest of the story. Nehemiah said, so we, we put our hand to the work. We, with one hand we had a weapon. The other hand we had a, we had a shovel or whatever it was. And they, a trowel and they built the wall in 52 days. They overcame the enemy. The point is, there's, there's going to be opposition. People are going to criticize and say things against us. When we're doing what God's called us to do. These were the comments made against Nehemiah when he was rallying the people to build the wall of protection and reestablishing a relationship with God. Let's look at two more people. Paul, 2 Corinthians 10.10. For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal appearance is unimpressive and his speech contemptible. This is the comment 
of the Apostle Paul who took the good news of the gospel to the Gentiles and wrote most of the New Testament. He ain't much. He's not a very good speaker. Well, apparently God thought differently. Let's just run a few ideas about what they said about Jesus. Uh, I'm I'm not going to read all these scriptures, but I'm just going to capsulize some of the things that I went through and, and picked out. In Matthew 13, 55, they said, Is this not the carpenter's son? And what were they saying? He's nobody special. This is the commentary of Jesus. They also said he's a gluttonous man and a drunkard. He's a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) He is a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. And you all know tax gatherers were very unpopular because they were considered thieves. Stealing from the people. But he, it's a, he's a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. They, uh, in John 10, 20, they said, he has a demon and is insane. In John 10, uh, 31, 30, well, 33, it says that he blasphemed. They accused him of being a blasphemer because he made himself out to be God. In other words, they were saying, who do you think you are anyway? In Luke 23, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ the king. So this is what people had to say about Jesus, who was the savior of the world and would die for the sin of mankind and raise from the grave and make it make it so that we could be forgiven and accepted by God. And, and actually become his children, his beloved children, enter into heaven. Do you get the point? What people said about these men and what God said were two different things. That's the point I'm wanting to make here. What God said about Jesus was this uh, in Matthew 3.17. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's what God had to say about him. So I asked the question, what did they say about you? Probably, you know, many of us here would have stories throughout life growing up, whether it's in our family, whether it's uh, peers in school, whether it's uh, people we've worked with, maybe even our spouse, relatives. Relatives are good for this. Somehow they feel they have a license to let you know you ain't nothing. That's how they want to be sure you understand that. They think that's helpful. Well, what do people say about you? What do people, you know, over the years I've found in the ministry, I've heard people tell me somehow people feel it's helpful to let me know what other people say about me. <laughs> and uh, uh, it really isn't. Uh, I prefer not to know. <laughs> uh, I'll just go ahead and love everybody. Uh, 
just love everybody the same and not have to deal with all that stuff. So um, what do people say about us? Well, you know, I found out uh, while I was in Africa that there were things in the media about us. I guess I was in the media too. I'm sorry I missed it, but... um, Possibly, I'm letting you know that there be, may be more sensational stuff in the media. That may be possible. But just remember, keep this in perspective. There's a difference between what people say and what God says. What does our Father say about us? This is the, this is, I, I said all that. I told you, it's like, this is one prophetic word. What does he say about us? I'm sitting on the airplane... Or laying down. I forget which it was at the moment. But whenever I can do that, I do. And um, I'm, I'm flying home just a few days ago. I'm still jet lagged. It may show up. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> but uh, I'm praying because I know that I'm on this week. And I started asking ask the Lord, what do you want me to say? What is it you want to say to us here at Vine Life this week? And as I ask him that, I get, I get three words. Oaks of righteousness. That's what he said to me. Oaks of righteousness. I come home and I open my emails and two different people who do not know what I heard from the Lord. Two different people who are not connected to each other in terms of a, a conversation. They didn't know that each other said and put in their email, Oaks of Righteousness. Three times the Lord spoke that word, confirmed that word to us at Vine Life, Oaks of Righteousness. Now, there's a picture I think you have there, Rich. I want you to see, this is a picture of oaks. Now, these are all oak trees. And... uh, They've gathered together. I want you to notice something. They cover the house. Oaks of righteousness. What about oaks? Well, oaks start out uh, pretty small. They start out as an acorn. They'll be called oaks of righteousness. Notice we're not called saplings of righteousness. We're called oaks of righteousness. The thing about an oak is that an oak is strong. When you see that, those trees are strong and they can withstand the winds of adversity. They can withstand winds of adversity. It's a slow-growing tree. It produces a hard, tough wood and it's almost indestructible. In Isaiah 61... He says, so they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. The planting of the Lord. When an oak is planted, it's planted as an acorn. It's a little, you've all seen an acorn, right? And our commentary to that acorn is, you ain't nothing. Right? Ain't nothing. But you give that thing, you if the Lord plants it, if the Lord plants it, 
He says, he says that thing that's nothing is going to bring glory to my name. It's one thing for people to point out our insignificance. It doesn't matter. Because what matters is what God says about our significance. In Christ Jesus, you give that acorn time, and you give that acorn some resistance and let it stand the winds of adversity. It's going to have opposition. It's going to have adversity. But in time, that thing is going to stand. And if it stands in a, in, in, together, as oaks stand together, they'll cover the house. That's the prophetic word to us. We have in this house those who are oaks of righteousness, despite what you might hear or people might say or people might think. The commentary is what the Lord says because he says he'll be glorified when he plants us. He turns the insignificant into something magnificent. And he's the only one that can do it. So you stand in that place and you go, I can't do it. Can you do it? I can't. But the Lord says he'll do it. And he says he'll be glorified by it. Let's continue. Isaiah 61, 7 says, instead of your shame or in place of your shame, you will have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, they will shout for joy over their portion. Therefore, they will possess a double portion in their land. Everlasting joy will be theirs. I like what Nehemiah says. So I answered them. These are his critics who said, you ain't nothing. So I answered them and said to him, the God of heaven will give us success. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. God's mind is made up about us because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's who we are. That's who he says we are. I know the enemy would like to tell you you're much less than that. But, you know, it's not about who we are. It's about who we are in Christ. And who Christ is in us. And so the word the Lord gave me on that airplane was oaks of righteousness. And I just want to remind the house today, as I, as I return from Africa, as I come back, telling you about our what we experienced there. I just, want to, I just want to remind us in this house who we are. Remember, it's not what people say about you that makes you insignificant. It's what the Father says about you that makes you significant. So I would like to close by praying for those who have been defiled by what has been spoken about you or defiled in some other way even by what you've heard it has been said about us. If, if there's something that has defiled you, I, I don't want us to just remain in this place of saying, you know, we're, gonna, we're just going to be strong against it. No, we're going to be strong in the Lord. 
in the Lord. And the Lord, the Lord um, wants to free us from any place of defilement. I'm going to close the service here a little bit. I'm going to ask us to pray uh, when we have the ministry team. I'm going to ask Warren and Vaughn to come down here. As I talk to Yvonne, the stuff that went out, uh, you know, so defiling that there were a couple people said they didn't want to do business with them. Can you believe that? It's not true. The stuff is said, it's not true. But uh, When I, over the years being a pastor, I have learned this is part of the deal. This is, you know, it's part of the deal. Jesus said, rejoice when people say things against you. Because it's an indicator you're moving in some place that's becoming a threat to the kingdom. Graham Cook says most churches do not get to this place because they just dissolve in fighting each other in the flesh. But you get a people who will stand together. That picture showed it. Oaks of righteousness. You get a people who will stand together in truth and they will cover the house and the glory of the Lord will show up. A people who won't fight each other but recognize that it's our enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not people. It's not people. If you think I'm talking about people, I'm not. I'm talking about spirits of darkness that would assail us and criticize and speak against us. The media, by the way, would be associated with the prince of the power of the air. Do you understand what I'm saying there? And I'm going to ask the intercessors, all of you who consider yourself intercessors in this house, if you feel like God has told you you're an intercessor, as we close this service, I'm going to ask you to meet me right down here because I got a couple assignments for intercessors for this house. Pastor Bob's going to join me. We're going to we're going to talk to you about something here that's important. Now. I know I'm being really transparent today, and you might say, well, I came for an encouraging word, you know. I trust this is an encouraging word to you. This is what God is saying about us. You are oaks of righteousness. This is His declaration of who we are. I want us to see us for who we are. So if you have been defiled... In some way, I would like to pray for you right now and pray this off of you so that this does not, there's no residual on you that you're carrying. It may have nothing to do with what we're experiencing as a church. It may be, it may be something the Holy Spirit has showed you. You are a child, something, uh, you know, came from a relative, from a parent, from a teacher, from anyone in authority, from a brother or sister, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is just prompting you. There's a defilement that the message came to you. You ain't nothing. And that's not what God says about who you are. And I'd like to break that off of you. If that's you, just stand right now. Just stand. We're going to pray.
Okay, you know how we do it here. We always do it together as a family. Those who are standing, just touch their shoulder and start right now. Those of you who are standing, I'm going to ask you to forgive the person or persons or the situation. I'm going to just ask you to stand forgiving. So, Father, I forgive them. Let that be in your heart. Father, I forgive them right now. Now, this is what I would like you to do. I would like you to begin right now to break off of them these words of shame that have been spoken over them. These words that have communicated their lack of worth, their lack of acceptance, their lack of of, uh, who they are in God, the accusation, the criticism, the condemnation, the judgment. Break it off. Just just speak that, that out as you pray for them. I'm breaking off of you the judgment, the condemnation, the guilt, the, the accusation. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Break it off. And we agree together in this house that these words, no matter when they were spoken, at what age, at what time, at what place, doesn't matter. Right now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we are breaking those words and the power of those words off of your life in Jesus' name. We break them off of you and free you in Jesus' name. We free you in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to declare over them and speak to them out loud. The Lord says, you are an oak of righteousness. You are strong in the Lord, and he will glorify his name through you. He will glorify his name through you. Oak of righteousness, that's who you are. He will glorify his name through you. Just declare it over them and bless it over them. Bless that word over them. Let them receive it right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying. You may be seated. I think Pastor Bob is coming to close the service out.